Welcome back to another episode of the Ask Investor Podcast. In each episode, we host a Q&A with another fascinating investor here on QuidRoom, the social network where private investors collaborate with one another and with global investment experts through closed-door virtual community rooms. Each episode is recorded live in a room full of investors, and the conversation continues after the recording. So if your interest is peaked after today's episode, you're never too late to join the community at quidroom.com to get your questions in. Now kick back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Yeah, hi. I'm the founder of Quidroom, the social platform where accredited investors and where accredited investors and investment professionals globally find each other. Before we kickstart, for all the investors who are listening into the session and to the podcast later on, if any of your questions are unanswered or you just want to have a chat about investing, feel free to reach out directly to Philip in his community inside inside Quidroom. To attend future similar sessions, you can join hundreds of other investors in my personal Quidroom community. The community handle is going to be posted in the comments here. Now, over to you, Philip. Great to have you on board today. May the force be with you. Thank you so much. Yes, and the force may be with you. Thank you. Absolutely. So before we get into digital assets and and the wonderful things that your team is doing there in regards to that, let will be great to get an overview of your background, your origin story, and what led you to start Gen2 around four years ago. Sure. Thank you very much. Well, um, yeah, my history was in derivatives trading. I was the youngest licensed trader at the Swiss Stock Exchange in my early 20s. And um, then uh, through my market making activities in Switzerland uh, and in Europe, I also got to travel to Australia and trade Asian markets from there when they turned uh, digital, electronic at the time. And, and, um, and yeah, from that market-making career, I, I made it back to Switzerland, opened my own uh, advisory firm, asset management firm, helped to advise mainly institutionals on overlay strategies and derivatives, risk-averse strategies, wall arbitrage and so on, formed one of the largest derivatives book uh, through one of the funds in there. And when I sold the company in 2013, um, I moved to the US um, to uh, work with some of my investors in the funds. And there I finally joined Forsman Family, uh, the the family office of the Forsmans, which is called Forsman and Company. Forsman's were big in the LBO space in the US, and I got uh, to connect with them and rebuild their family office structure uh, into a multifamily office and then merchant bank uh, a kind of format. And um, with that, I got a lot of exposure to not only the venture business on the West Coast, but also into private assets, uh, dealing with licenses and patents and private equity and so on. And um, uh, after my time in the US, I, uh, or in 2017, end of 2017, I decided to move back to Switzerland. And um, I got the great opportunity to form Gen2 with an old colleague of mine, with an old friend of mine called Patrick Leppe. He was uh, one of the main drivers in the Swiss uh, structural product and securitization market. He had the idea with Gen2 to actually open securitization and with that financial engineering 
to all sorts of uh, financial intermediaries, give them a light setup to do that, uh, to do white labeled offerings for their securitizations uh, and, and structuring business. And out of that, we became now a bridge builder uh, with our solution for institutionals, uh, for, for institutional investors, but finally also financial intermediaries to build um, offerings uh, and their vertical uh, and their access and their products into all assets that are possible and legal to possess. So we did a lot uh, of uh, structuring and, 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 and investment products for them for publicly traded asset and strategies but then also for all of the alternative assets from private equity to real estate, to private debt, to trade finance, um, to collectibles of all sorts. And then we also start to open up the same mythology with Gen2 Digital um, for all sorts of digital assets. And right now we are working for over 7% of financial intermediaries are now, uh, in Switzerland, are now uh, clients uh, of Gen2, so banks, family offices, asset managers, brokerage companies, and so on. Interesting. And Philip, what is the take on this? Uh, which are the main kind of investors that have been putting in capital at this point of time from what you have seen? Because you work in such a broad space, you have so many vehicles that you see working on the different parts of the economy of the, the metaverse NFT slash economy and the blockchain economy, right? So I want to know exactly where do you see most of the capital coming in from? Is it mainly from the family office guys, mainly from the pension fund guys? And where do you think the future of money into this industry is going to be? Mm -hmm. Well, clearly at the moment, we see that a lot of asset managers and financial intermediaries um, including banks and family offices, but mainly the asset manager space needs to create offerings for the clients. They need to answer the question, how do I invest into digital assets? They need to answer the question, what are good products that I could invest in or how should I do that best? And um, clearly the trusted relationship that every financial intermediary already has with uh, their clients they don't want to let that go. They want to find good partners to work with in that field. They want to see good products that they can not only offer to their clients, but also make experience with and, 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 and get involved in. And, um, and so, so there is a lot of money coming from uh, exactly uh, the clients that are uh, involved with these asset managers, most, of course, high net worth individuals, but also institutionals. And then also, of course, other people, maybe like you and me, um, that are uh, with an asset management firm. And, um, and we see that there are smaller and larger tickets coming from that size. And nevertheless, that falls right into the, the banking industry, where also uh, then products of that are getting replicated or multiplied or white labeled for banks for their clients and their, and their asset management clients, wealth management clients. So that's the main part uh, and the, the main investors we see. And of, of course, our clients also are the distributors into these networks, into these clientels. Um, and, and that's mainly also where they have, where they place their services. So um, I would say 
there is a big adaption of asset of the asset management sector uh, that wants to have a, a certain proportion of their allocation in digital assets today. And, and I think we, see, we will see a lot more of that. This is only the beginning. A lot is being explored, but there is definitely a lot of hesitation when it comes to investing into that market because uh, because there's uh, there's a definite need for you to compare metaverse real estate with physical real estate. But mm-hmm. physical real estate has complete different economics, and and the necessity is basically you need to have a roof on top of your head. That is one of the main consumer requirements that people have when it comes to residential real estate, of course. So the hesitation is there because a comparison is being built of virtual real estate with physical real estate and the yes. economics behind it. Is that comparison justified? In a way it is. In a romantic okay. idea it is. <laughs> Look, okay. I mean, if you if you would have the opportunity to, to build a virtual Fifth Avenue, that should already give you a picture of what's happening right now in the metaverse, yeah? Um, it's clear that our life is more and more digital, that there is a lot more to own in the, in the internet, in the web, than only your domain and, and your email address. There is a lot more that will be coming up through that space for you. And when you now think of um, building that fifth avenue and you uh, think of all what could basically come along with that, the shops, uh, the venues, um, the experiences, the, the maybe the concert halls, the, the casinos, uh, and the, the galleries, and the shopping malls, and the presentations of that, where you can be first row, or uh, fashion shows that you can be in the first row, what my wife always dreamed of, and so on. Then, then, you know, you see all the elements that can come to life. And now imagine that you not only can create in that metaverse or own uh, the space in that metaverse, that you can also so as equip it with what is, uh, is of value to you or what you want to exchange and interact within that same space. You, you, I think you get a get an idea of what what this means. And yes, it's an abstract, it's a romantic, and also <laughs> and also a, a fantastic kind of way of thinking about it. But it is also in that sense limitless in what we will see from that development. And I think it's too uh, it's too promising that to be ignored, and it's it's too interesting uh, to be unexplored. Absolutely. Do do you feel that the main uh, use case is when it comes to metaverse? Really, of course, you would not be able to stay in a home, home because yeah, it's it. But then also, there's always going to be that one space that you can have for yourself that is there. But do you think the main use case where the economics is going to build up is going to be on the retail side, where now you can actually enter in and you can see what you want to buy, and then after that, you would get that product delivered to you. So, do you feel that in the fashion industry and in the and and um, even when it comes to uh, the virtual real estate getting plucked to physical real estate so you can see exactly how the property looks like and then you're buying it because you can't travel, uh, take a plane and go there and you can do this. Do you think these are the main use cases that are going to 
I think you have one, one. I think you have one point, like you already have in the traditional real estate market. You have that sort of excitement about location. Yes. Okay. Although you can jump from location to location, you also have the familiarity to be in a certain quarter or with certain neighbors or associated with certain neighbors or certain brands. So, so in that in that sense, you want to have maybe that representation and that location to be represented by. And from there, I think that also creates a lot of excitement and assimilations with other players in that field, you know? Um, you maybe have the opportunity to be close up with something and in the neighborhood of something and share through that through that community a lot better what, what your endeavors are. And, and I think that's where the excitement starts. And yes, how luxurious and how representative that should be is, is completely uh, up to you. Um, but I'm sure we will see some exciting things on that side. You already do. And then next, next to it is how much is it really worth to you and how, how, how much can you build from that? I mean, I can clearly understand that when you see that Christie's is building galleries in Decentraland or in the metaverse, uh, that, that this is, leads to a totally different uh, experience this leads to totally, this leads them to global space, so to say, where everybody can tab in, everybody can come to see them and actually interact with them. So, so the functionality is um, much more unlimited than maybe on Fifth Avenue today. Interesting. Philip, what does that mean for investors when they look into the future or what, if they don't get into it in the next 10 years, what are they going to miss out? And what should they actually be looking in? in terms of what they invest in uh, when it comes to metaverse real estate? Well, first of all, I would always uh, give the same advice. <laughs> invest in things that you really care about and that you find yourself in them and, uh, and that you maybe also hold once if there is volatility or uh, if, there is a, if there is a difficult time. But fact is, Ownership is, uh, I think, also in times of inflation, the most important factor for building wealth. And here you have the opportunity to own a lot of the digital world or your part of the digital world. And you can own not only real estate or goods, you can also own what you create and what you make out of it. And that should be the first thing that you um, that you should look at, and and the first thing to consider um, if you want to learn more about about the metaverse and the investments into the metaverse. And and I think, as I said, we are only at the beginning. And right now, imagine you've been thrown back to the first days of the internet. Um, I think. That space is yours to be defined and what you care about and where you think added value. And with that, uh, we can certainly predict that um, that uh, the metaverse uh, is in its beginning and will, will have a lot more value creation than uh, might be seen today and, and, and might we can estimate uh, uh, from, from today's uh, standpoint. Absolutely. So, Philip, uh, getting directly into this question because of the because of the community that you currently have, uh, it's going to build more with the uh, high net worth individuals in inside Quit Room, right? 
So for all the new accredited investors that are going to be coming on board, what can they expect by collaborating with you uh, on certain factors or what what, uh, help would you be able to provide? What advice can you provide them? I, I mean, it's a it's a clear call uh, to the listeners. We can uh, build products for you. We, we have the expertise. We have the network of partners, custodians, brokers, uh, setups that we can share a lot of knowledge about with you. And uh, you can happily address me at the firm anytime on that and how we can build products for you, tailor-made products, but also how what products are out there in the market. We have a good oversight of that, not only from our clients, but generally in the market, what is there. And if you are interested in that space, if you're interested in these allocations, we certainly can show, show you the whole color of the rainbow there, what is possible, what you can build, or what you can white label, or what you can invest today, and how you can best maybe steer, uh, so say, the allocation in the space or build an allocation in the space. Thanks a lot, Philip. This was a very interesting session. And it seems like you are and your team is doing excellent work in the in the space. And you're, you seem to be very well connected with uh, with the ecosystem in Switzerland. And, 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 and seems like the ecosystem is very forward thinking around this. Because I have, believe me, I have spoken to a lot of people and, and everyone's different perspectives around blockchain, starting from blockchain all the way to metaverse investment. I would just want before we end this uh, session and 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 even for the podcast listeners, if you have not watched this, I would uh, just for the humor of it, uh, it will be great to watch the interview that Bill Gates did with David Letterman, where David Letterman was talking about the internet and comparing it with uh, with fax machines, and this was in the ni- in the nineties and about. Uh, the feeling that internet is going to be very irrelevant where Bill Gates made very good points of why it is supposed to be, but uh, but even someone like David Letterman was not able to see it. So do consider these factors that you may need to think about the possibilities five, 10 years down the line of what this can be. And also, also keep in mind about the generation that is already adopting this at this point of time. This is a future generation that is coming up. And that basically means the economics in here is just, there's no way that it's not going to get powerful. It is going to be more, and there is going to be more opportunities coming up. So do keep an open mind. I understand the hesitation with anything else, but there should always be an open mind to anything that is being adopted at such a wide scale. That is from me. Philip, great to have you on board. Let's uh, chat later on. And the perfect summary. Thank you so much for having me. And... uh, Yes, there is a lot of excitement ahead. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Ask an Investor podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then give us a subscribe. And if you're keen to chat with today's guest on this topic, access opportunities in the market, or just want to connect with other investors who are equally as interested in the sector, then join the guest community on Quidroom using the link in the description. Please note that Quidroom is only for high net worth investors and investment professionals. No retail investors are allowed. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Nothing in this episode should be interpreted as financial advice.